an interesting day again. It's a horrible day again, in a lot of ways. I've been sitting here for a couple hours watching the news. We have an active shooter situation in San Bernardino, California. We have people that have been killed. They don't know how many yet. I've heard reports of 12. I've heard reports of three. I've heard reports of 20 to 25 more have been wounded. There were at least apparently three gunmen involved wearing military garb and ski masks on their faces. This was not a disgruntled employee. This was a coordinated attack, apparently, on a disability center in San Bernardino, California, and it's a terrorist attack. I don't know who the terrorists are. We may never know, because if they're jihadists, the government of California and uh, Obama administration will try to cover that up to keep us from knowing that. Uh, we still, for example, don't know the history of the kid out there who last month stabbed five people at a university campus in California. The, he had a Muslim name, obviously, but interestingly enough, all of the information he had posted on Facebook, Twitter account, everything disappeared before even reporters could find out who this guy was. And this is not being treated as a terrorist attack. Uh, it's something that's being covered up. I mean, it's typical of what's happening in Israel, for example, where terrorists are using knives to, to attack people. <clears throat> if that's what's happening here, Obama doesn't want us to know about it. I mean, you know, let's face it. Our main concern according to our president, it has to be climate change. But let's watch the situation in California. Because I think as things develop, hopefully we will find out the truth. And I think the truth will be that this is obviously a terrorist attack of some, some sort. You don't have three armed men, or even one armed man, enter a facility, which is, let's face it, it's California. It's obviously a gun-free zone. They probably didn't have any armed security guards at the facility. Because according to some eyewitness reports, one of the gunmen just walked straight through the front door to a conference room and opened fire on what may have been a Christmas party going on in the conference room. Wearing a ski mask, wearing body armor, according to some reports. Carrying apparently a semi-automatic or possibly automatic weapons. Heavily armed was the description the police are giving. Nobody's in custody. But from the reports, reports we're getting, this is a act of some highly trained and coordinated terrorists. And in fact, if they have escaped, and according to reports, a black SUV sped off shortly after the initial attacks took place. If they have escaped, they're going to hit again someplace else. Maybe not today, but in the near future, unless the cops can track them down. We are in a war, ladies and gentlemen. There's no other way to describe it. We are in a war. We're in a war with radical...
radical jihadist. We're in a war with the, what amounts to a war with the Muslim religion around the country and around the world. I mean, I'm, you know, I've had friends over the years who have been Muslims. I had boys in my scout troop. You know, I was a scout master, boy scout master in Baton Rouge. I had several Muslim young men. They were all fine young men. But what we have in the world now is radical Islam <clears throat> causing chaos throughout the world. And the vast majority of the Muslim population, both in Europe, in the Middle East, and in the United States, is basically silent. They're not condemning what's happening. Interestingly enough, Donald Trump, who's been pillared over the last couple of days by the fact that he said that he saw Muslims celebrating in New Jersey during the 9-11 attacks, when the planes had hit the Twin Towers and people were dying, the Muslims were having basically tailgate parties on the rooftops in New Jersey. He's been attacked for saying that by reporters, by other Republican candidates, by the Democrats. Now, some video has surfaced from a CBS news station, affiliate news station, that is films of this actually going on. That shows that Trump was right. And I knew he was right because I had been reading stories from people who live in that area who were tweeting out and posting on Facebook, hey, I was there, I saw it. It happened. And it happened not just in New Jersey, but also in New York and other parts of the country. We are at war. And we're not fighting the war to win. What will happen with this attack? Whoever did it, Obama will probably try to blame it on the NRA. Uh, you know, these people get their weapons from somewhere. Surely that means that we need to confiscate weapons or uh, restrict weapons or register weapons or whatever Obama's going to do next. He's going to make a move pretty soon anyway. Uh, this is a foregone conclusion. But we're going to hear that the NRA is to blame. We don't know who these people are. The report is that they're white people, white men. But that doesn't mean anything. That White men, they could be Hispanic, they could be Muslim, they could be Christians, although Christians don't normally do this. They could be no religion at all. But my feeling at this point, my gut instinct is that they are ISIS or Al-Qaeda connected. Whether they're American citizens who have defected from our country, essentially, and become treasonous, that we don't know yet. Or whether or not they are immigrants, illegal immigrants, from a Middle Eastern country, or from Central American country, or from Mexico. We don't know yet. But we're going to be finding out, hopefully. And hopefully our government is not going to cover this up. 
I said, I hope we find out because I don't know that they're going to catch these guys. I don't know that California or Moonbeam Jerry Brown has the will to do what's necessary to stop this type of thing and to catch these guys. He will undoubtedly try to implement more gun control. That's going to be the response of the left to any type of shooting like this. Don't go after the terrorist. Don't go after the radical jihadist. Don't even admit that this is a radical jihadist attack, if that's what it is. Go after the NRA. Go after the people in this country who legally own firearms and who do not use them to kill other people unless it's self-defense. That's what we're facing here. I made a speech the other night in Kaufman, Texas, which is not far outside of Dallas, and I talked to a group, and I told them about what was happening to veterans in this country. And I told them that there was going to be more and more efforts to disarm. And I predicted, and I will predict now on this, this show, that sometime before the end of the year, Obama is going to make a major executive order requiring the registration of firearms, privately owned firearms in this country. It may come in two forms, two possible ways. Number one, it will require everybody in this country who owns a firearm to go to their local sheriff's office or police department and register that firearm with the federal government. That would cause an immediate backlash, and a lot of people would just refuse. The other possibility, and probably this will be the first step, I see the universal registration as the second step, but the first step will probably be to require that anybody who purchases a firearm legally and fills out that paperwork that is supposed to be destroyed within 72 hours. You know, you do an application to purchase a firearm, and that's, that is run through the FBI's in NICS list, they call it, NICS. It's the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. And you fill out that application with a licensed gun dealer or Walmart or wherever was licensed to sell firearms, and they take these applications and they fax them to the FBI. The FBI comes back and says whether or not you are cleared to buy a firearm. The federal law that created this system requires that both the gun dealership and the FBI destroy that document within 72 hours. I can guarantee you that since Obama has been in office that those documents have not been destroyed by the FBI. That if you have bought a firearm any time after January 2009, after Obama took office and Eric Holder became Attorney General, that you are essentially already registered with the federal government. But now they want to make it's supposedly illegal. And they're going to, I think Obama's going to tell everybody that when you buy a firearm from now on, you will have to register that firearm with the federal government at the time you buy it. 
that is a violation of the Second Amendment to the Constitution. But since when does Obamacare? He's got more important fish to fry. One of the reasons he's going to do this is not just because he personally wants to disarm the American people, particularly the veterans in this country, but also because he's required by the treaty he signed, the UN Small Arms Treaty. He's required to do this. John Kerry and Obama both said that there was no registration requirement in the treaty. They said it before the signing and they said it after the signing. I knew better. I had read the treaty. I read the first draft. I read the final draft that was passed. It does require registration of firearms. It requires all the countries that signed this to have all their citizens register their firearms with their home country and then return that information over to the United Nations. That would be the next, next step here, and that's why Obama's doing this. Let's take our first break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hello, I'm Pat Rulo, hostess of Speak Up and Stay Alive, the voice for patient safety. Now heard every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. right here at AmericasWebRadio.com. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we obviously have a, a bit of a technical problem here. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Let me see if we can get uh, Michael back on the line. Uh, something happened to our connection. I don't know what it is, but let's just see. Ah, there he is, America's Web Radio. Yeah, I know. Uh, let me transfer you back in again. 
Okay, this is uh, live radio, folks, and uh, you're getting to hear exactly what we do on on the show when when we lose connections. Uh, Michael, you're back on. Okay, thank you, David. I don't know what that was all about. I suddenly heard a screeching noise, and it was disconnected. So uh, we've had this problem before, and I thought we'd solved it, or at least I'd solved it uh, by taking some additional measures from where I do the show. So hopefully this was just a, a freak accident, but I know people would like to shut me down. I've had many attacks, for those of you that, that follow me on my blog, and uh, by the way, if you are not a follower, you can access my blog at www.michaelconnelly.com. I'm going to be posting another article sometime this week, hopefully, uh, that uh, we'll deal with First Amendment issues in this country, particularly freedom of speech and what's happening there. And I've posted articles in the past that you might find of interest about uh, veterans' gun rights, about the Second Amendment, and about what is happening in our country. And again, we go back to the Obama administration following signing a treaty United Nations Small Arms Treaty, refusing to submit that treaty to a vote in the United States Senate, which was required by the Constitution. It's required by the Constitution that all treaties signed by the President, before they can go into effect, have to be submitted to the United States Senate to be ratified by two-thirds majority. Obama has not done this. This treaty was signed over a year ago. And he is implementing the treaty. And that's why he's going to be imposing gun registration. Because the treaty requires that. The treaty requires that all gun owners in this country have to register their firearms with the government. And then the government turns that over, that information over to the United Nations. That's what the treaty says. And they can deny that all they want, but that's what it says. Why hadn't he submitted it to the United States Senate? Well, according to some of the people in the White House, they have determined that the Constitution of the United States really doesn't mean what it clearly is. That Obama is not required, before implementing a treaty, to submit it for ratification by two-thirds majority of the Senate. Instead, he can go ahead and implement the treaty, and it takes a two-thirds majority of the United States Senate to vote to stop him from doing it. That's what they they pull. They pull the same stunt with the Iran Treaty, which, by the way, Iran has already violated. In fact, Iran has never even signed the treaty. We didn't require them to sign the treaty before we started giving them concessions. The same thing is going to be done with a climate control agreement, which will also be a treaty. But they're not going to submit that to the Senate either. And basically, when it came to the Iranian treaty, nuclear arms treaty, our Congress, our Republican-led Congress, our leadership, violated their oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. 
And they agreed to let the president, number one, call this an executive agreement and not have to submit it to the Senate for ratification. And number two, allowed the treaty to be submitted to both houses of Congress for a negative vote only. In other words, they could vote it down or they could pass it by a majority. In the case of the House, it was voted down. In the case of the Senate, they used the idiotic cloture rule to keep it from ever coming to a vote, even though a majority of the United States senators who are supposedly up there representing us, we the people, we the people, are supposed to be represented by our senators. Instead, the senators, instead of a majority of the senators being able to vote for something, now it takes 60 of the senators to vote for something. So it never came to a vote in the Senate because you had 42 Democrats who blocked it, kept it from coming to a vote. But even if the Senate had voted it down, the Republican leadership in Congress had agreed to allow Obama to veto a negative vote, and then it would be take two-thirds majority of both houses of Congress to override that veto. Now, Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution provides the veto power for the president. It's part of the checks and balances in the Constitution. The president is allowed under Article 1, Section 7 to veto legislation passed by Congress. And if he does that, then it takes a two-thirds majority of both houses of Congress to override that veto. It says nothing about a negative vote. So essentially what Congress did is they amended the Constitution without going through the formal procedure that requires Congress vote by three-fourths of Congress vote for an amendment and that, that amendment be then submitted to the state legislature and three-fourths of the state legislatures have to ratify the amendment. Instead, they just throughout the Constitution, throughout Article 1, Section 7, and said, we're going to let Obama do this his way, despite the fact that it violates the Constitution. Well, let me tell you what kind of precedent that sets up and what it means for the Second Amendment. The precedent that has now been set by the Republican leadership in Congress is that the President can, at any time, submit to the Congress a law for a negative, in other words, he can submit to the Congress a law, for example, requiring the registration of all privately owned firearms in this country. And under the precedent set, if Congress votes no, the president will veto that no vote, put the law into effect. And two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate will have to vote to override that veto, which with a number of far-left Democrats in the Senate and in the House, that will not happen. So that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at the President of the United States using... Anything that happens in this country involving guns, well, not anything, but using anything that fits the narrative 
how many of you out there in my listening audience know that a few weeks ago, actually about a week ago, it was around Thanksgiving, Park, Louisiana. There were several gunmen. It was a mass shooting, and people don't even know about it. Why? Because it was black on black crime. It was gang activity. So that doesn't fit the narrative for the national news media and for the Obama administration that it's crazy white people that are going around killing other people. They don't even talk about what's happened in Chicago. The only thing you hear out of Chicago was the fact that a white police officer shot a black teenager. That's the big story out of Chicago. Not the fact that they have the highest murder rate in the country that is totally out of control and is mostly black-on-black violence. That doesn't fit the narrative. Apparently, Obama doesn't have that much interest in taking guns away from violent street gangs. He doesn't have that much interest in taking guns away from jihadists, apparently. He wants to disarm you and I. Now, why does he want to do that? Well, I've said this repeatedly, but I'm going to say it again on this show. Go back into history. Look at the dictatorships that have emerged around the world. Adolf Hitler in Germany. Soviet Union. Castro's Cuba. Italy under Mussolini. Communist China. One of the first things the dictators do when they're establishing their power is to disarm the population so there can be no resistance. When Adolf Hitler took power, actually the first thing he did was to totally nationalize health care in Germany. His feeling was, if I can control access to health care, I can control the people. Sound familiar? second thing he did was to start disarming the German people, beginning with the military veterans. Military veterans of World War I in Germany had basically taken the same type of oath of office that I took when I was in the, joined the military, which my sons have taken, which my father's taken. And that's to defend the Constitution of our country to defend our country, not to defend an individual, not loyalty to an individual or a group of individuals, but loyalty to our country and the people of our country. That is an oath that does not expire. It does not go away when I stop being on active duty in the military. It is an oath that I will continue to follow. That makes me a danger to a dictatorship, which is what Obama and his cohorts are trying to establish in this country. That made it dangerous to Adolf Hitler back in the 1930s. That's why the veterans were the first targets of Adolf Hitler's regime, and why the veterans right now in this country 
were the first targets. But believe me, we're only the first targets. Targets are emerging all the time. And we'll talk more about this after our second break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. Michael, I have no clue When necessary, what this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You know, when it comes to the situation with gun control in this country, we obviously have a complete double standard. And I mentioned the fact that we had the 17 people wounded in New Orleans, Louisiana recently by some black perpetrators and all the people that were shot were black. And basically that that situation has been totally ignored by the news media. Just a couple of days ago, that totally blew my mind. And this indicates to me where the federal government is, where the mentality is in our government. A black student at the University of Illinois posted threats on Facebook, and on Twitter, saying that in retaliation for the shooting of a black teenager in Chicago, who was supposedly shot, allegedly shot 16 times, that this black student was going to go to the University of Chicago campus to the quad the next morning and kill 16 white students or staff, staff members. This was a direct and clear threat. University of Chicago took it seriously enough that they shut down the campus for the day. The student was identified and arrested. Now, you hear about people being arrested all the time for committing terrorist acts or threatening terrorist acts. And pretty much they stay in jail because there's a high bond. It was unbelievable to me when I found out that the federal judge, in this case, allowed this student to go back in home and be in the custody of his mother. 
No bond required. Now, can you imagine if that had been a white student that had threatened to kill 16 blacks on that campus? The bond would probably be in excess of a million dollars. They would be under the jail, essentially, until their trial. I'm not even sure what this kid was charged with. But no bond. Now, what was the reasoning behind letting him, letting him go? His mother said that she was afraid that this might keep him from getting a good job someday. And the judge apparently agreed and sent him home with his mommy. I hope and pray that this kid doesn't fulfill his threat and start killing people. But if he does, we know how the national news, how the Obama administration will react. They will either ignore it or they'll blame it on the NRA. I'm getting tired of being blamed for the crimes committed by other people. You have a situation where somebody goes in and shoots up Planned Parenthood, and that suddenly is the fault of all conservatives, of all gun owners in this country, of all Republicans. It's our fault. We created the climate, supposedly, to allow some lunatic to go in and shoot up Planned Parenthood. But when a jihadist kills a bunch of people in this country, that's not the fault of the Muslims. They're not blamed for it. Radical jihadists, radical Islam is not even blamed for it most of the time. Another example of a double standard. It was rather disconcerting the other day when on MSM, which is the where my home page is on my computer, they picture gallery of the victims of mass shootings. And in that picture gallery there were pictures of the children from Newtown, Connecticut, pictures of the people killed in Oregon, and even a couple of soldiers from Fort Hood. But in looking closer at it, I realized that the soldiers being shown from Fort Hood, Fort Hood were not killed, the ones killed by the major, the radicalized Islamic major, the Al-Hassan. They were soldiers that were killed when some kid went nuts and started shooting people. And not included among the photo gallery were any of the Marines or the sailor killed in Chattanooga. Basically, what this was saying was is that if you're a jihadist and you commit a mass shooting in this country, you're not going to get blamed for it. That doesn't fit the narrative. Again, we go back to the narrative that Obama wants all Americans to believe, and unfortunately, many do. And that narrative is, is that gun violence in this country, mass shootings in this country, 
are not predominantly caused by radical Islamists. They are caused by members of the NRA. They're caused by conservatives. They're caused by Republicans. They're caused by what we say and what we do. It's a classic version of don't hold the people who actually do something responsible. And that's the way this game is being played in this country right now. You're not responsible for mass shooting if you are a radical Muslim. Somebody else is responsible. They won't even talk about you being responsible for it. And that's why this young man was sent home to be with his mommy, despite the fact that he had threatened to kill 16 white people at random on a college campus. A federal judge did this. That's the mindset of people in the federal government right now. We are the enemy. You and I. If you're white, if you own a gun, if you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, you are the enemy. We are the cause of all this country's evil. You know, I watched Obama's press conference, several press conferences he's done over the ISIS terrorist attacks. He starts off by referring to them as a setback against the campaign on ISIS. Because remember the day before he said ISIS was contained? Well, according to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff yesterday, he testified before Congress, ISIS is nowhere near being contained. But Obama said that called that a setback. He never referred to it as an attack by radical Muslim jihadists. Then at the climate change summit, and by the way, they, they, they're saying that no agreement is, was reached there. My fear is that there was, that Obama probably is preparing to sign a treaty will have, that will have devastating economic effects on this country, and he's going to sign this treaty, and he's not going to submit it to the United States Senate. Why should he? They let him get by with it three times now. Why should he abide by the Constitution? Nobody's holding his feet to the fire. But in any case, Obama has tied climate change into terrorism. If we take care of the climate, the terrorists will all <clears throat> sit around the campfire singing Kumbaya. They will lay down their weapons and they will say, Praise be to Obama. Thank you, Mr. Obama. We no longer have to kill Christians or kill Jews or kill infidels of any other sort. You have saved us from climate change. That's what he's saying. As stupid as that is, that's what the president of the United States is saying. Does he believe it? I have no idea. Lately, his speeches, his press conferences have been really bizarre. They have been very disjointed. You don't understand half the time what he's even talking about. He gets very upset if anybody asks him a serious question. Little questions. 
he reminds me more and more of the Adolf Hitler that led his country to defeat during World War II because he personally wanted to be in charge of everything, and he was clearly suffering from mental illness. He was an egomaniac. Nobody knew anything as important as what he knew. Nobody could make any decisions as important as what he made. This is what I see in Obama. Interestingly enough, on Black Friday, 185,000 applications were received by the FBI for people purchasing firearms in this country. People are getting scared. People are getting really scared. With good reason. We're going to see more attacks by ISIS. I mean, let's face it, what's being done to try to defeat ISIS is ridiculous. We are launching only a few sorties a day. The military experts I know claim that if we are going to really be effective with an air campaign, we have to have 240 attacks by air on ISIS a day. Instead, we average about three to four. And out of those four, three of the airplanes are never allowed to drop their bombs because they can't get clearance from the White House because the White House doesn't want to endanger any civilians. They have gone so far, and this, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I'm concerned, is an act of treason. treason. It is putting the members of our military at risk to protect our enemies. It has been confirmed that the President of the United States has ordered that before we bomb any of the ISIS vehicles, particularly those carrying oil, that we drop leaflets 45 minutes in advance telling the drivers to abandon their vehicles and leave. They have 45 minutes before the bombing run takes place. Why is that being done? Well, according to the administration, these are just innocent civilians making a living for their family. They're not ISIS members. How the heck do they know that? doesn't matter. They're working for ISIS. So what are the implications of giving him that kind of warning? We'll talk about that after the final break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. 
Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. What are the implications of allowing or requiring our Air Force and our Navy to drop leaflets warning the truck drivers? 45 minutes is a long time. We know that ISIS has anti-aircraft weapons. They've got 20-millimeter cannon. They've got even heavier weapons. They've got RPGs, many of which were were American weapons captured from the Iraqis by ISIS. 45 minutes gives them plenty of time, if they have those in the area, to move them near the trucks that are going to be bombed, shoot down American planes. It hadn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. I can guarantee it's going to happen. We're going to have Americans killed because Obama doesn't want to hurt ISIS fighters. I've had reports repeatedly since this so-called air campaign started that Obama was having the pilots bomb empty buildings at night bombed empty park pickup trucks to ignore ISIS convoys full of troops because he didn't want to hurt any jihadists. It's treason. The classic definition of treason is providing aid and comfort to the enemy. That's what it says in the Constitution. That's what Obama's doing. He's providing aid and comfort to the enemy. He is being embarrassed by Putin, whose own designs on the Middle East are to basically put himself in control there, along with the Iranians as his allies. He's getting what he wants. Obama seems to be cowered by the man. Obama seems to be cowered by everything. Is he really that incompetent, that inept? It doesn't matter whether he's incompetent or he's got some diabolical plan, which I think he does have, to make himself dictator. The fact of the matter is that he is an egomaniac, Everything he does is clouded by the fact, by that fact. He is not capable 
of making a decision based on information provided to him that he doesn't want to hear. My understanding is that in intelligence briefings, well, first of all, he didn't show up for most of them. The President of the United States is supposed to get an intelligence briefing every morning, and Obama half the time is out playing golf and doesn't even show up for him. And he refuses to acknowledge or even read any briefings that contradict his worldview, that contradict what he says about ISIS, about ISIS being contained, about al-Qaeda, which, by the way, he announced before the 2012 presidential election, al-Qaeda had been totally destroyed. He didn't want to hear it. That's a sign of a narcissistic egomaniac and that's what we have sitting in the White House and by the way I, during the break I was checking the news feed on the uh, internet and apparently they, they still consider what's happening out in San Bernardino California as an active shooter situation I don't know what that means other than the fact that they have not captured anybody they don't know if there's still somebody in the hiding it, being up the place even more. But this is going to be something that we get closely, because this, to me, is a classic terrorist attack. And it's not being conducted by a bunch of untrained crazies. These are people who are well-armed, know what they're doing, and want to escape. And if they have escaped, they'll do it again. They'll probably do it again very soon. So I mentioned that the other night I talked to a group about a veteran situation, and they were aghast. They had not heard about the fact that what I've been talking about on this show for the past couple of years off and on is that veterans are being denied their Second Amendment rights. They're being declared incompetent to handle their own financial affairs and... There's no due process. Once they're declared incompetent by the VA, they're told they can no longer own, purchase, or transport fire or possess firearms or ammunition. If they do, they're guilty of a felony. And they're put on the next list from the category of being mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others. That's a National Instant Criminal Background Checklist that the FBI runs. Over 200,000 veterans, we estimate, are on that list now. Of the list itself, Senator Charles Grassley has found out that under that category, and it can't be adjudicated to be mentally ill, it's the point of being a danger to yourself or others. Adjudication requires a hearing of some kind from at least an administrative judge. Obama and Eric Holder decided that wasn't necessary, that anybody in the federal government could declare anyone to be mentally ill any time and put them on the list. So you have, according to Chuck Grassley and the Senate Judiciary Committee, 93% of the people on the mixed list in that category, 93% are military veterans. Most of them have never even been examined by a psychiatrist, at least the ones I've talked to much less at an adjudication hearing. They've been put on that list because they were declared incompetent for having minor PTSD. 
having been depressed, letting their spouses pay the family bills, or in several cases, one of which we're representing right here in Texas, having the bank automatically pay their bills every month out of the checking account. That's an example of what's happening in this country. I'm a veteran. I have two sons still serving in the military. My father served in World War II. And by the way, thank you for everybody out there who's ordered copies of the Mortarman, the book I wrote about my dad's unit in World War II. It continues to be very popular on Amazon. If you want a copy, you can order it through me, through my website at www.michaelconnelly.com. Or you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's available as an e-book for people that, that like to order something for Kindle, for example, Amazon Kindle. If you want to order copies for Christmas, if you want to order a signed copy through me, uh, you need to make your order fairly quickly. And uh, I just sold out of, of the novel, my patriotic novel, uh, Amigalia, Story of America, to the company for sale, now sold out. And so I have to make a fifth order of, of copies. It's become that popular. And I think it's part of the popularity is because the left hates it. It's a patriotic novel against dictatorship, losing their country to a dictator, and they rise up to fight against foreign occupation, and he comes out on Amazon and posts comments about me being a racist because I said bad things about the communist Chinese, and me being a gun nut because I talked about Americans using their own private weapons to defend themselves, which is what the Second Amendment is all about. But anyway, if you want to order either one of those books through me, again, go to michaelconnelly.jigsy.com, or you can get those books as e-books off of uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, numerous other websites. And uh, you can also, by the way, these books, the other three books I've written are, are not available yet as e-books, but they are available through me, and in the case of the the books America's Liveliest Ghost and the Scout book called Riders in the Sky that Go Somewhere Just Fill My Scout Ranch. Those you can find on Amazon or you can order them through my website. You can find them for the book dealers. And they make good Christmas gifts. Good little stocking stuffers are the book that I wrote called Our Constitution, where I take each article in each section of the Constitution and I print it as originally written and I put in my comments about what they really mean. And people are ordering these. I've had every speech I make recently, somebody holds up a copy of their, the booklet, 77 pages, it's pocket size, and they hold it up. And, yeah, I bought one, I've been carrying it around, and they use it to ambush their liberal friends who say things like, oh, well, the Constitution prohibits or requires the separation of church and state. Well, in fact, the Constitution doesn't ever mention, use that phrase. It doesn't mention separation of church and state at all. It says that the government can't establish a religion, but it doesn't say the government can prevent people from practicing that religion. And it doesn't say the government has to be just neutral or be atheist. So anyway, those 
booklets can be ordered off of my website, or you can go to www.constitution.jigsy.com, and you can order them there. Let's keep up with what's going on out in California. Let's keep up with what's going on in this country. Encourage people to listen to this show, listen to other shows on the air. If you need me to come speak to a group, I'm scheduling speeches all over the state of Texas and around this part of the country. Contact me or contact David Moxley at America's Web Radio and let me know. Thank you. Have a good day. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.